Alright folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Football or what am I talking about? Mountain West Wire football podcast, MWWire.com. We're leaving it in. It's okay. It's uh it was a late night yesterday, watching all these games, stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Matt, your team, uh, uh we'll get to your team later, not bowl eligible, unfortunately. Yeah. I think, just... You know, I saw something, I think it was the first time in twenty years a conference champion has failed to be bowl eligible the next year. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> record book maybe not congratulations but welcome to the record books perhaps <laughs> we'll get to that game later there were some there's things to discuss in that game i'm pretty sure you have thoughts on as well right uh yeah so we had a full slate of games 12 games or excuse me 12 teams six games all conference games uh full slate due to air force to mexico getting rescheduled we had comebacks we had blowouts like we said if you missed any of it or anything you want to find out what we're writing about mwr.com everything we can find out about the website and can be found there football basketball anything twitter mwc wire where we like to bring the heat really i'm asking this real quick well actually we'll wait till the San Diego state game people don't like a tweet i made about that game but we'll get to that later okay do you know what I'm, I'm referring to i do okay all right let's get to the games look at that later because we don't need to go on a tangent at the beginning and then come we'll come back to when it comes to it friday night holy crap it was cold colorado state versus wyoming you know what? I respect every single Wyoming fan who was out there. You see this shirtless Wyoming fan? Did you see that? I would, I would not do that. No. Ended up being what? Minus two. The low wind chill, I think, was like minus two, I think. Crazy. The game started, what What was it? Seven o'clock local time, 730? Sundown, yeah. of course, at that time of the day. It was cold. Did you also see like the... Um, we'll talk about Vanderwall's injury, but you see where he sat on the, um, I guess, massage table, a trainer table? That was iced uh, over. No, I didn't get to see that. So it was just a part of the, like, because he, we'll talk about his injuries, kind of great and interesting how he came in and came out, but it was so cold. It wasn't rain or snow. I mean, how it is when it, well, I'm not sure if it gets that cold in Fresno. It probably does at some point. It's just frost, but there's no snow or rain or anything, precipitation really. Mm-hmm. It was like a layer of ice over that, and then he had to hop, plop on there. And it's, that's going to be freezing cold. And they just kind of showed, like, it's so cold. And it was just a, a cool visual, but. It was that's close. Another way of saying it's very cold. Because then you had uh, there was a uh, Logan Wilson was chatting with uh, what's his name, the sideline reporter for ESPN, like the, a pregame or like a Thursday night or, or whatever Wednesday thing. He's just wearing. It's what I do too. It's like, oh, why are you you're not wearing a jacket? He had like on a fleece on. Thing that people don't get sometimes. If you're not used to it, you're not used to it. Mm-hmm. But if it's a, like a dry cold, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. Because I tell people all the time, like I'm from Texas, or he's like, oh, it can't be cold. No, it can get cold. It can be 40 degrees, but if it's wet and rainy and humid, it is freezing cold. So regardless, shirtless Wyoming fans, I wouldn't have gone to the game either, Matt. I would have been – I'm glad we got to watch from our homes, right? That's what you want to do. Oh, definitely. With the temperature at a nice uh, non-zero degrees. As for the game, I guess we should get to it. Wyoming 17, Colorado, Colorado State 7. My first thought in this game, it was extremely weird – because Wyoming played Levi Williams much more than anybody thought. He had to play a lot, and it worked out apparently. Wyoming just more or less doing what it always does, like leaning on the ground game, not really doing anything exciting. Like between Williams and Vanderwall, who you mentioned a minute ago, 8 of 15 for 80, 81 yards. Yeah, no touchdowns, But they, no but they got the job done on the ground. You know, Williams and Xavier Valade combined for, what was it, 40 carries and 190 yards or something like that, or just, 200 yards? Just about, just a, a shade over 200, yeah. That'll get the job done every time. Yeah, they they did what they do. They ran the ball. I thought the Rams might be able to run a touch better, but they did. Nope. Like, 
no, they were pretty awful overall, for, for being honest. Patrick O'Brien, not very good, just over 50%, but it couldn't get anything going like downfield. Like, Warren Jackson had a pretty good game, like a couple receivers, but he only threw to four different guys. He couldn't spread it across like he does a lot to a lot of the players. Like, Dante Wright, who's usually a big play guy, had only 25 yards. Mm-hmm. And this is just what I mean, like you said, doing what they do. They push the ball, push you around, run the ball, and don't allow you to run the ball or move it, and they end up winning a slow death kneal on the on the neck of the Rams to allow Mike Bobo to go, what is it, 0-12 in rivalry games? Is that correct? And Is that what we're looking at now? No, I believe his overall record now is 2-13. and I heard it 0-12, so I was going to go with that. But regardless... I mean, maybe they've lost 12 straight. Maybe that's it. And the rival, it's rivals of bowl games, right? Where it's, it's Wyoming, Air Force, Colorado, and bowl games. I think that's where we're looking at, correct? I think that number comes from. Yeah. And I mean, I, you know, if you're... I feel for Rams fans because it wasn't as though the game was totally out of reach basically the entire time. No, it was close. You know, you know other than the 93-yard the touchdown drive that Wyoming had in the first quarter, it was barely even for at least a, at least a half. So and and you know you go back and you look at it, the fact that it was only 7 to 7 at halftime. Mm-hmm. And to me this game really came down to the fact that Wyoming never really let up when it came to stopping Colorado State's ground game. I think that's where you start looking at, you know, when they realized they couldn't run the ball at all, they had to try and put the game in Patrick O'Brien's hands. And when you just look at the the progression of passes, you know, you see that he finished 17 of 29, 217 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Um, But it's really kind of a tale of two halves or, or, you know, two, two halves plus change. Because he was 14 of his first 18. Yeah. So it wasn't like they were they weren't moving the ball through the air a little bit. They just weren't able to really do. You know, they weren't able to balance that out with a with a with a decent running game. I think even an average running game wouldn't have been able to give them the upper hand. And you know maybe that's a credit to Wyoming's defense because that's something they've been doing all season long is just stopping the run, making quarterbacks have to beat them, and then oh by the way they have a pretty good secondary too. Yeah, and also like give credit to like Mike Bobo. He was aggressive, twi- two times this game on fourth down, and fourth like fourth and one. Looking mm-hmm. at when it's seven seven, they go for a QB sneak. Didn't work out at all. Got stopped in midfield. Like, I'm fine with that. Then here's the problem: what happened? They, that happens. T- well, I mean, turns around and scores right away. Only needs forty four yards because you're not going to put in that situation. You're going to go for it. It's fourth and one. You're a tied game. It's no way you're making a field goal at sixty seven yarder. So it's like, why not go for it? I, you know what I wish teams would do more? It's like, do, like, if people remember, I don't know, old, and you might remember this. Do you remember the James Brown, University of Texas, Big 12, fourth and short play action to the tight end on the middle? I do not. Okay, well, you've seen the play a million times. Play action, tight ends. Like, it's a super bunch set, like, jumbo to the extreme, maybe one wide receiver just because. Play action, because everybody expects to run on fourth and short, throws over the top. Texas did that in the... Like, I think the first Big 12 title game beat Colorado and had, like, a huge gain. I, wh- Your running game's not working. They expect you to run. they like, we got it. we're going to stop you on the run. This is just in general, not necessarily this particular play. But I want to see that. Why isn't that done more often? I know it's only one yard. You know it's better. At least it's better than being the shotgun on fourth and one. You know what I mean? At least you're under center doing it. Yeah. That, and that, we saw, I saw a lot of that on Twitter yesterday. I actually. see that. I, yeah. It happens a lot. Fourth and short. And you get a shotgun where it's basically fourth and four. Mm-hmm. But like, I wish teams would do that a touch more because they know you're going for it. 
they they make your super tight set. There's maybe like if you have your line, say you have your safety. Say it's like not to explain football to everybody, but the type of plays like you may put one safety back, like a linebacker, like four yards back, just in case. If you have like one on one, it's like why not fake it so everybody jumps in, one guy slips around. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I wish it would be done more, but th- that play didn't work. The running play. Why don't we get the touchdown? A missed field goal. Like there are opportunities for the Rams. And then here's what I don't quite get. It's like later in the game, safety fourth and six. There you got to go. You're, you're down a touchdown. It's like oh, I guess we should go for it because it's not the forty yard line of one, but it's still way too far for a field goal. But the problem is they don't set themselves up nicely for that. I know the running game's not working, but they get second and six with uh, O'Brien. I think he just scrambled for a couple yards, but then they pass, pass, and pass. You would think on third and six with your position of the field at least try to run to maybe get three yards. You still may pass a fourth down, but it's, I get Wallaby well, just stuffed them and they couldn't do a dang thing. But when you're so, when, that's what Wallaby does. They get you so predictable where, or not, maybe not predictable, but I guess you're only do what they give up on the run. That fourth and six, it's not a lot and it's not a big deal, but you threw three, two straight times. You're going to throw it fourth down. Like you're not running a fourth and six. No team's going to run up fourth and six. Unless you're, even if you're air force, you may not run up fourth and six. Mm-hmm. And so, why not set themselves up a touch better by maybe run on third down or something? Because you, because the mindset is you're probably going for it no matter what. Well, I mean, you mentioned the missed field goal, and I don't want to gloss over that because that to me, I don't know how you square going for it on fourth and one on your own side of the field, and then settle for a fifty-yard field goal, which is not a gimme. Uh, and you know, especially considering your special teams is what, like 60% on field goal attempts at at this point in the year. Yeah. Why you wouldn't take advantage of the best opportunity you've had to that point to just keep the drive alive because it was fourth and two at the Wyoming 31 yard line. We also had second and two and third and two and it led leads to again, they threw on both downs. So maybe some questionable decision making there. That yeah. was the that was to me kind of the turning point of the game, especially because they're down what fourteen seven. They mm-hmm. need a touchdown. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the, to me, you know, settling for three there just didn't make any sense, especially when he had shown the willingness to yeah, earlier you know, be aggressive earlier. And, and you know, to everybody who might be kind of thinking, well, why did they do that to begin with? You know, the advanced analytics always say that head coaches should be a little more aggressive or maybe a lot more aggressive on fourth downs than they typically are. And good process doesn't necessarily guarantee good results. Yeah. And so in the, in the, in the first instance on the, on their own side of the field, that was kind of what it made me think of, you know, good idea, bad execution. I probably would not have called a quarterback sneak there. No. Um, you know, and then the second instance was bad idea, bad execution. And then by the time they had a chance to go, you know, fourth and six at the, at the Wyoming 40, you know, you're asking them to do quite a bit. Like fourth and six may not seem like much, but it gets a defense like that that have been shutting you down all day yeah. long. In a pressure situation and they know you're and they know you're not running this. So Wyoming could either I don't exactly recall what the play they ran, but if they know you're passing, you could bring an all blitz or just drop eight guys and try to find the hole. It's like so you could dictate what the off where the outfit is going to throw the ball essentially. Yeah, and to me, you know, I also feel doubly bad because it was a pretty good performance from the Rams defense. Yeah, like, like the passing like, game, like we saw Vanderbilt throw a ton last week, wasn't great, but he threw a lot, and 
they decided they maybe they took my advice. I don't know. Run more, throw less, but they were good enough on defense. Like definitely, yeah. I mean, just on a per play basis, yeah, they they outgained the Cowboys slightly. Like you know, four point five on offense is never great. Yeah, but you know, when you hold opponents to four point two, like the Rams did, you're giving yourself a chance to win, and that was despite the fact that you know Jalen Bates got tossed for targeting. Yeah, that's right. Early, yeah. And I think they lost, you know, one or two other guys to injury, at least temporarily. Um, and then you and then you look at a guy like Manny Jones, who went out and had three sacks, four tackles for loss. Mm-hmm. So what and, and Ellison Hubbard contributing a sack as well. So it wasn't as though, you know, the guys up front were putting in work, you know, even though, you know, Valaday and Williams were getting chunks of yardage. You know, you look at the fact that as a team, they still ended up with eight tackles for loss. They were making Wyoming work for it just yeah. as much as, the, you know, the Cowboys defense was making that offense work for it. It's just that Wyoming or CSU actually, Wyoming made a play, CSU didn't. Yeah. And let's talk about this. Let's talk about the quarterback, man. Vanderwaltz watching, like, did you see, were you watching this game live at all on Friday? No. Okay. So when I was watching it on Friday, he, like, he left, he left the game. Mm-hmm. Like, he went down. They, they already played Levi Williams a little bit here and there. Which some people speculated, and it's he showed up fine. It's almost like when I watched Saturday, the Penn State Ohio State Penn State brought their backup quarterback, made a bunch of good drives, and made that game close. Yeah, he he came in a little bit here and there. Vanderbilt goes out with some leg injury, like he is on the ground, can't walk. I mentioned the trainer table things because kind of interesting visual. He leaves the game on a cart, like it looks like he's done. He's head hunched over, face is red, whether upset, crying, angry, all the above. He he leaves his he leaves the game, literally comes back within ten minutes of not get, of real real lifetime like a commercial break and like a drive. He comes back, not only comes back, he's on the field warming up. They tape up his leg and he's ready to go. Mm-hmm. I'm like like Willis Reed stuff coming up. Like he comes out of the tunnel hobbling. I'm gonna play after it looks like he was out because it looked bad. He couldn't walk on it hobbling off the field. When the car comes out, it's usually you're done. Maybe it was just. A, it could have been something where it's just so cold and it gotten it hurts worse than what it really was. Because if you ever fall, like it's like if you scrape your, if you ever, you know, as you fall on this asphalt when you're a little kid or something it hurts. Imagine falling on a block of ice and it stings and it burns. That maybe it was something like that where it's just it's so cold. It was not that big of an injury, but it just felt worse. It was just because the cold and falling on the hard surface. But he comes back. Looks perfectly fine, but Williams during that time ran for 49, 49 yards, had that touchdown where he bounced off and went into the end zone. It's like they ran like all the time with him, and CSU could not stop it, even though they figured or probably assumed he's going to run the ball like Vanderwall does. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, maybe not Vanderwall, but I mean, they're going to run the ball, but they should have realized after like one player, too. I meant Sean Chambers, excuse me, running the ball, but you would think after they ran the ball multiple times when he first got in, oh, maybe this guy's more like Chambers than him. Maybe we should stop this run. And it was too little too late for one of those touchdowns. So, but that's a pretty yeah, I mean, great performance. Vanderwall's injury is going to be uh, something to watch, I think, because since there's not really much left to play for at this point, sure, uh, you know, except for maybe position and, and bowl jockeying for bowl position and yeah, stuff like that. Better bowl game, yeah, you know, because you know we mentioned that he finished six to thirteen, but he he missed his last five passes, and I yeah. think most of those came after the injury. Yes, so, correct. If I think that if they feel inclined to give him some rest, um, I wouldn't be surprised by that. You know, especially you know next week against Air Force. Um, Is that a Saturday I mean, or Friday game? It's a Saturday. Okay, game. I know. Okay, I thought there would be a Friday game. 
So, uh, yeah, that's something worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, because they're in a, they're, here's the thing. They got seven wins, so they're going to a bowl game. There's no six-win possibility like last year. So they're going to a bowl game. It's just more of a, yeah, get them healthy and let them play in like the Idaho Potato Bowl or something where they'll probably end up somewhere like that. Yeah. So that might be a good thing. Plus, it would give Levi Williams, who gets still redshirt because you get the four-game rule, get him a full game against a pretty good opponent, and just see what happens. And if you're 8-4, and 7-5, and five, that's fine. Let me ask you this because I saw you put on Twitter the or maybe it's a retweet from somebody driving back from the Idaho the or the uh, potato uh, not potato I'm thinking of Boise but Utah State Boise mm-hmm. player of the year is going to be interesting for offense. Does Valade yes. have a legit chance to win that? I think so. Okay, there's a lot of guys on here that could be. So we may bring that throughout the season throughout the uh, show today because there's I'll say this there's no clear cut guy and it's been a long time since we could say that. That's true. There's a lot. There's a lot of fascinating cases this year, there because there's really no Brett Ripon this time around. There's yeah. no Denell Pumphrey, no Rashad Penny. A lot of guys with compelling cases. Though. Well, and, and there's no case like a couple years ago, the running back like Brian Hill, Jeremy Nichols. You could pick like three or four guys to be Player of the Year. It's exactly. Kind of, kind of the opposite, where it's like I guess that's why I was hesitant last week. Like I guess Josh Love <laughs> for number one QB, but we'll get to him in a minute. But, all right, let's go to Saturday. Air Force in Mexico, the makeup game. Um, we probably should keep this one quick and short. The turning point in the game was when there was the fumble, not fumble interception. That was, I think it was overturned, I believe, for Air Force. Mm-hmm. That was a close game up until that point. And then Air Force like, what are we doing here? Let's get out and take care of this game. And they won 44-22. I think that because they ended up scoring after that drive, after the call was in their favor to keep it. And there was not much New Mexico could do after that because it was 7-7 to as at that third quarter. And fourth quarter, I guess, 30 straight po- 30 points. But Donald freaking Hammond, Matt. <laughs> Holy crap. They, well, that's the thing. They realize they should be able to throw the football against the Slobo secondary. Because, you know, they threw it one time in the first quarter. Uh, 25-yard game, obviously. Not bad. Um, and they did have just a, a yardage advantage. So, like, they were getting work, you know, they were getting some you know, fairly solid yardage in the first half. It was you know, 13 carries for 90 yards in the first quarter. And then I think um, I'm trying to look it up what it was by halftime. And all of a sudden this document is not cooperating. So I don't know what it was at halftime. <laughs> um, but then, you know, you come out in the third quarter and they don't necessarily need to take that many shots down the field, but you know, they were two of three, 105 yards, uh, including a 59 yard touchdown, 46 yard touchdown, you know, to the first one to Ben Waters, the second one to Gerard Sanders. And it was basically off to the races after that. You know, records, well, not a record setting performance, but it was the kind of performance that if you're a Falcons fan, you haven't seen that since the 70s. Well, 9 of 10 on 324, that's, what, 30, that's over 30 yards of uh, completion. Yes, it is. That, and that's a 25 yarder was a short one of the group, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, like, we mentioned player of the year, like, is he a p- potential guy? Because I liked him quite a bit. So if you aren't following us on Twitter, please at, uh, at MWC wire. Yes. I kind of sort of laid out the case for him. You did. It's because after this, ma- and it, but, and I laid it out because what I, what I found surprised me. So if you just sort Donald Hammond and other mountain West quarterbacks have done a mountain West play. So we're talking like in conference play. Okay. Which I think when you're doing, when you're doing all conference games, it mostly is based on what you do in conference, right? It should be. Majority of it. So, Donald Hammond is 50 attempts in Mountain West play so far this year. It's 29 of 50, 58%, which in itself is pretty good. 
He's averaging 15.7 yards per attempt. Number one in the conference. Far and away. With uh, guys nearly, more than nearly, like 10 attempts, I guess. Yeah, nearly, nearly doubling the next best figure. 10 touchdowns, two interceptions, passer rating of 248.05. I'm and, no match guy, but that sounds good. <laughs> just for the sake of comparison, if you look at the next best figure in conference play, that's Cole McDonald. His is 142.49. So you're talking about a difference of 100 points. And Hank Bachmeyer in league plays 168, so he's still crushing him. And so I was curious about how much of an outlier that was. And <laughs> I went back be. I went back through the last decade over at CFBStats.com. And there are exactly six quarterbacks since 2009 who have had at least 50 pass attempts in conference play, any conference, uh, with a quarterback rating above 200. And you're talking about guys who barely scrape by 200. Um, you know, you got anywhere from some, you know, like a guy like Navy's Will Worth to, you know, J.W. Walsh, who started a couple games for Oklahoma State a few years ago. Uh, to guys who won the Heisman, like Kyler Murray, last year, I think he's good. If if I mean, assuming that he puts forth a performance in this neighborhood, or even a little bit short of that neighborhood next week against Wyoming, this is going to be far and away the best such figure of any quarterback ever in conference play this decade. And that doesn't even account for what he's done on the ground, too. Yeah, combine all that. Yeah, so I think if you take that into consideration, what he's done is very, very, very significant. And, and so I think he hasn't played a ton either. Like he's well, not that he's played a ton, but he's been he hasn't played every game either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he he has five touchdowns in, on the ground in conference play as well. He's averaging about four point six yards per carry. So when you take the total package together he should have as convincing an argument as anybody because when he's been on the field, you know, maybe accepting the Boise state game, he's been maybe the best quarterback in the conference overall. Am I correct on this? Basically saying that preseason January, people get laughing at me saying he's that good. I mean, I thought, I think we were both on the same page that he was going to be good. Hey, also my 10 win predictions, they beat Wyoming 10 and two. That's true. Just saying. Yeah, you were right. Thank you. <laughs> not not to brag, but it's like people were like, oh, they're not that good. But Hammond telling you, he's the guy. But Astros game himself, you know what's interesting? Who's this? Uh, in Mexico, no interceptions, Matt. Zero picks. Trey Hall, another quarterback to look out for, I guess. Well, yeah, because Tuioti got hurt, right? Uh, I don't I didn't see. I, again, I stopped I think watching. He got, he got hurt. Trey Hall took over. Between the two of them, 8 of 19 for yeah. 90 yards. I mean, by the time Trey Hall took the field and was, you know, basically moving the ball in garbage time, it didn't really matter. So it's hard to yeah. say. Um, Two touchdowns. That's not bad. Good for him. I mean, it's hard to say that there's anything that they should be taking away from that. Oh, they also didn't have their two, Amari Davis and Bryson Carroll. So they didn't have those two guys either. Yeah. Uh, it's only a matter of, uh, at this moment, Sunday night, recording touch later, Bob Davies still head coach, correct? Uh, for the moment. You know what I thought about that real quick? Because I put a tweet out there because – I forgot who it was, but uh, maybe it was with the – oh, you know, it's, or Justin Michaels mentioned it. The early signing period, he does stuff for the BSN Denver. Is that right? Uh, I forget the exact name. Just find Justin Michael on Twitter. There yeah, go. there you go. <laughs> I forget. Justin T. Michael. I apologize for not knowing exactly where it's at, but he switched to a couple publications ago. But he put out there, it's hard to like – not that he's advocating like Mike Bobo would be fired, but to fire a coach – 
with the early signing periods, like a death sentence almost for some teams. Yeah, pretty because much. Because his exact thing was, it'll be a pretty bad look for any team. I don't think he's being CSU specific, but they lost, so that's the case. Clearly, that's what he covers. But early signing period is what? First week of December, right? Coming up? I think it's in the middle of December. It's like, I think it's a week before Christmas, so it's pretty soon. So you have the coach there, but then you fire him. Because, like, can you fire him when the season's over and you have a week to work with a new staff? That looks bad. You're going to lose everybody. And then you have, like, two months to bring in a new guys in February for the other signing period, which is kind of on its way out, on its way out of being the popular one or the most common one. Okay, so here's the thing about New Mexico, though. <laughs> what is it? Uh, at least according to 24-7 sports, they have exactly one recruit right now for 2020. What? For football? So maybe we don't have to worry about that so are, much. Are you sure it's football? <laughs> I am sure it's football, yeah. <laughs> Gabe, Gabe Stonewall from El Paso, Texas. Oh, boy. They've, uh, got, they've got offers out there, but they have exactly one commitment for 2020 right now. So Okay, maybe it doesn't matter. But in general, the rule, the, like with Willie Taggart, maybe even Chris Ash at Rutgers a little bit. Oh, yeah, Rutgers, great shot of not happening, so good luck with that, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's just a hard thing to do if you're going to – Get rid of a coach now, say end of the season, game 11, game 12. Basically two weeks to work on a new staff, to get a new staffer, even if you just – because you don't want to – not to go off on a coaching thing, but do you want to promote from within? Like you're the interim coach and then you get fired anyways in like two weeks after? Well, see, here's, the, here's the thing about New Mexico in particular though, and this is something that we talked about all the way back in our team preview over the summer. Mm-hmm. The Juco Gambit yeah. – it probably hasn't worked. Probably? You're being too nice. It hasn't worked. <laughs> I mean, there have been some individual successes. Let's put it that True, way. True, but, but team considering success. The, considering the number of transfers that Bob Davey brought in, you know, this you know this early signing period was not going to make or break this team one way or the other, regardless True. of whether Davey comes back, regardless of whether they bring a new guy in. Yeah. This is going to be... A project that takes two or three years to really turn around and they have to wait be patient to do that yes it's like okay we know okay if they're well maybe we'll save this for another podcast but if we're giving names out there that a lot of people seem to mo- like the most if he'll even take it but i've he might i kind of there's no people out there who mentioned the name that he could take it just get a coaching job but that's asu dc danny gonzalez former new mexico lobo yeah so that's the guy who could look at it and who knows the area? Who's you're gonna have to have, find a guy with ties to come in. He might be a good guy, even though ASU they're okay. They're gonna be an upswing in a couple of years. They had the new QB Herm Edwards year two. Maybe that's the guy they go after. But maybe you're right. If they have just one recruit for, or not that you're right, but if they have just those few recruits signed in, who cares? Like just at some point, it's good. It's gonna happen. I'm I'm already I'm telling you right now. I have my article pre-drafted this week during Thanksgiving. So there's one whistles and blown on that final game. And he gets escorted off the field and say, Coach, give me your company car keys, your university pass key, passcode. See you later. Have a good time or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to happen that quickly, I'm pretty sure. Like, I, I don't think I'm wrong to have that ready to go and hit, hit submit once we get the official word from somebody. No, I don't think so. Right? Even if there's not the official word, it's going to happen. But, and like you always say, if it hasn't happened now, it's going to happen later. It's going to happen when the season's over. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you on board with me in saying that? I mean, I think at this point, considering how actively they have regressed over the last couple of weeks, yeah, I think he's done. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the next game. And they're going to finish. Who do they play next week real quick? They're 2-9. and nine. Who do they got the finale with? 
they uh, I, I want to say it's no, it's not Air Force. Is no, it's one. Who is it? I'm trying uh, to look it up. Real Air quick. Force is playing. Uh, is playing one of uh, Utah State. Oh, well, okay. Home versus Utah State. Hey, home. Okay. All right. Let's go to the next game here. Next game is San Jose State UNLV Rebels giving good old Sam Boyd the uh, send off it deserved. I guess a wild win. All right. So you know how we said, "Give me anything, I'll take San Jose State." Whoops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I was incorrect on that. Yeah. I mean, came down to especially early in the game, San Jose State on offense just did not look sharp. No, four interceptions for Josh Love overall is not a sharp game. Yeah, and I mean, and it wasn't as though they had trouble moving the ball because they were able to rip off a lot of plays. And I think for most of the game, they were out gaining the Rebels, you know, both on a per-play basis and just in terms of your total offense. Uh, so when you look at the final statue, you see that they outgained them by, you know, it was 564 to 455 overall. So pretty good in that respect. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but but Josh Love just for every you know crisp throw that he made, he made another one that was just totally off target. And not, not all the interceptions were his fault. Like you know the one that really clinched the game for UNLV at the, uh, the goal line stand the at the one. end of the game. That was a tip trail. I think there was another one that was that way too. But the one I think it was the third one that he threw to Jericho Flowers was one of those throws that was particularly egregious. And, you, you know, if you are a San Jose State fan and you're looking back at this game thinking about what might have been, those particular throws are going to be what really stands out the most. Well, yeah, here's what we have in this game. Also, the fumble. So, mm-hmm. also, one thing to know, opening drive missed that field goal, which could have been a difference. A little bit long, 43-yarder. But here's where those turnovers were. Whether they're Love's fault or not, first one, touchdown came out of it for you. And it'll be second one, touchdown came out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, Fumble. Led to a touchdown. So 21 points off turnovers. And that's clearly the difference in the game when you turn the ball over five times. There you go. And you're still in this game. Like, people thought Rebels are going to win when they, on the kickoff, the ball is what, inside the 10-yard line? Mm-hmm. Oh, here goes Josh Love, potential player of the year in the conference. Thursday gets that huge uh, play. It was a 90-something yarder? 80 yards. Oh, sorry. 80, Isaiah Hamilton. 80 yards, Isaiah Hamilton. Gets caught from behind. Oh, just about gets super close, but... Couldn't quit. Couldn't well, get let's it. not forget that they got called back for unsportsmanlike conduct. I know, the 15 yards. Like, come on, guys, what are you doing? It's like you were so close, and then you get the penalty, and then the tipped ball, and then it falls in the hand of the former high school wrestler for UNLV to seal the victory. Yeah, and you you mentioned the penalties. That was something else that was really uncharacteristic of the Spartans in particular, because it was like what 12 for 103 yards, yeah. 106 yards. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And when you look at what they've done all season long, like that, you know, they had some erratic performances early on in non-conference play, but they had mostly cleaned it up. And over the last few weeks, maybe they've taken a step backwards in that regard because they had seven against Boise State, seven against Hawaii, and then 12 and, and 106 against UNLV. That's one of those things that you, it's, considering how well they move the ball, if they had been a little more disciplined on that front too, you know, that's one of those things that they're going to kind of be looking back at that and wonder what might have been. Yeah. And it's here's thing too. Like, I think you're on the right path, like going back to player of the year real quick with Josh law, 465 crazy day. 
They're hitting the ball well. They had two guys over 100. I think I might be on your path to go Donald Hammond just because better team, better statistics. But, man, Josh Love, he's the reason they're actually San Jose State's in this game. Well, Trey Walker, other guys too. But, man, he is so good. Typically today or that Saturday, not the best. Also, should we mention Charles Williams? Congratulations. Three we touchdowns. should mention Charles Williams because he's another one of those guys that's definitely in the conversation now. There's a lot of guys. Yeah. Se- season high, 27 carries, 186 yards. Also a season high. Three touchdowns, probably three touchdowns. season high, right? Probably. Yeah. Interestingly, those were the first three touchdowns he's scored in conference play. And I think it was Raja who pointed that out on Twitter. Sheesh. Uh, give him the ball more, maybe, Coach Sanchez? Just, just give him the ball more, yes. So we it's did. About, it's about freaking time, Jesus. Did you see we had our Ar- Armani Rogers sighting? We did, yeah. You know, I. Uh, Oblad got banged up, right? Yes, we weren't sure. People weren't sure at first until it's confirmed by um, somebody from Las Vegas uh, radio there. I think, I forget who it is. I apologize, whoever it was, but they mentioned, uh, yeah, he got, he got banged up. He got hurt. That's the reason he came in the game. So. Yeah, and no stats out of it, no pass attempts, no. Probably, I think he's handed the ball for something. So, does this win, Matt, give you change any of your mind about Tony Sanchez going forward? Honestly, I have no idea at this point. <laughs> well, because because here's the thing: you look at next week's game in Nevada, and more often than not, even when Nevada has been the superior team as recently as last year, he seems to have the Wolfpack's number. So, I, I. As much as I don't want to, I don't know that I can rule it out. If he wins this game, he wins the finale at home, then goes on the road and beats the big rival. I, I don't know. I'm kind of throwing my hands up right now. Nobody can see it. I think he should be gone just because the AD last year, it's like we expect bowl games and it didn't happen. I mean, that that's the argument right there. Yeah. I just don't know if how much how, how much flexibility there is. Okay. In that here's the thing. Here's well, Okay. So here's. Go for it. Um, because we just talked about with New Mexico and the fact that they only have uh, one commit for the 2020 class. Yeah. Uh, UNLV currently has 11. Okay. And again, per 24-7 sports, they are currently third in the conference as far as their overall recruiting class. So it's not like Tony Sanchez hasn't continued to bring in very promising recruits. Here's the thing, too, which they have a new stadium. So it's like, oh, do you want a new start or keep the guy stability? You have Kevin Oldblood, quarterback, going to be back. Charles Williams, he is a junior. Will he be back? I don't know. Like, I don't want to say they're going to be good if he comes back. I would imagine he probably will be. You think he'll come back? I think so. Okay, so if he comes back, like Randall, just really quick, just from this game, leading receiver, Randall Grimes, Mm -hmm. he's going to be back, sophomore. Tidley Collins will be back. So... You're right. It's not like they don't have pieces. And all it might be, like, I don't want to say UNLV is a quick fix to get something done, but a lot of it is with their with uh, the OC needing a heart transplant, and he was bigger pieces team than we thought. And maybe it'll just take – and they were put in a bad situation. He had health issues. They had to come up with an OC on the fly, essentially. Maybe they go out and find a decent guy who wants to come in. And if you're coming to a new stadium, decent recruiting class – Quarterback who's there because Armani Rogers not starting next year. Again, he's going to be in transfer portal very soon. You have if you have Charles Williams coming back, a decent receiving core. There is talent to build there. Maybe they just need a a play caller or an offensive OC. And they were dealing with scrambling at the last second. So maybe like I'm not going to say they go from three wins if they even if they win next week four to seven or four to below eligibility four to ten. But 
if these guys come back, there are in the defense too. Like we saw what the defense is done versus Hawaii. They shut the Hawaii defense offense down fairly well. They had they forced five turnovers versus San Jose State. Like they had four picks. One, whatever they're tipped or not, they're still picks that count. They made plays. They have I mean, the, the they, defense looking forward to next year is kind of what I wonder about though, because Javin White is graduating. Yeah, Gabe, Gabe McCoy has fallen off from where he yeah. was last Jericho year. Flowers He's graduating. Gone as well. Jericho Flowers is graduating. Rayshon Jackson, all that. Yeah. who we maybe haven't talked about enough because he was the team's leading tackler in this game. Yeah, he's graduating. So they're having to replace a lot of pieces on that side of the ball. But you know, when you look back at the offense, you know, you look at a guy like Kenyon Oblad for. For example, you know, we've talked about how if you squint, you can kind of see glimmers of progress. Mm-hmm. And it's not like facing the Spartan secondary is an easy test, but you know the offensive line kept him upright. Mm-hmm. You know, San Jose State didn't manage any sacks. He was twenty-one to thirty-six, two hundred and three yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Yeah. Not not like a yeah, it's okay a performance that yeah. blows the doors off. But you know he made not plays when it counted. Yeah. And so, so I think he's coming back. He's improving a little bit week by week. Some of his playmakers, like Grimes, had a big game. We've seen flashes from like the tight ends, Giovanni Paolo and, and Noah Bean. Chad Magar's back, running back. Two pretty good running combo if Williams is with them there. So I think you could make the case that you know if they see enough progress, and again, if they beat Nevada next weekend, that he might have done enough to come back, but I have no idea. You're right, because it's it's – I think it's the OC, which put him in a tight spot. Maybe they'll consider that and give him one final year in the first year of the new stadium. Maybe maybe, maybe you convince me a little bit that maybe we should lean toward him being back, just especially if they win next week. Mm. So, All right, let's go to the next game here. Are we at the night games now, evening time? Just about. I guess is it technically a Boise State-Utah State game? Uh, I mean, if you want to call it a game, sure. Oh! Uh, they did line up. There was a coin toss. A team kicked <laughs> off 11 v. 11. Utah State, what are you doing? Fifty-six to twenty-one, Boise State, and I apparently no, I'm apparently I was incorrect because I figured because leading into the game, like who's the quarterback? We don't know either side. We got some whispers early on. Jo- jo- Jordan Love, excuse me, not Josh Love. Jordan Love, Utah State. Okay, fine. Um, and then I was thinking, um, Boise State, and I even said with Raj and you, if it's their. Th- like, I don't think I'm wrong to say if your third-string quarterback is starting against any team, you're going to win, especially against Utah State, who obviously not good this year. They're going to go to more, more than likely go to a bowl game. But I'm just saying, if you're playing your third-string quarterback on the road, first road career start, I'm not really going to have confidence in you to win the game. Maybe you, I forgot, need... you forgot one important thing. What, now. Boise State quarterback? This is, this is no ordinary group of five team. I, I know, but I'm like, any t- almost any team, if your third string quarterback gets a start, I wouldn't predict you to win. Sorry. Well, see, and here's the thing too. But I was wrong, so there we go. <laughs> here's the th- here's the thing though, because you know Henderson obviously made a huge difference in this game. He was sixteen to twenty eight hundred hundred and eighty seven yards, three touchdowns. Yeah. He got off to a fairly slow start though. Like he did have the thirty yard touchdown throw to John Hightower, but he was only four of his first ten. Yeah. And I think 10 of his first 21 before he really came on and he had the, his last two uh, touchdown throws to Khalil Shakir and C.T. Thomas. It was really the George Halani show. 
Oh, the offensive they, line. No, give the offensive line credit that helped pre- present the George Hill. Because I because I saw Boise State fans thinking, okay, you know, so we got our our opening drive off, and the offense has to, is going to go into hibernation now for a quarter and a half or something like that, <laughs> like the BYU uh, game. <laughs> and Hawani didn't let that happen. Good for him. He had he had uh, seven carries on the ground, I believe, of more than ten yards. Four of them came in the first quarter, including the thirty-five yard run that really kind of set the tone and uh, made everybody kind of sit up and take notice. And then he had another 36-yard run later in the first quarter. And then, you know, by the time everything is said and Pick done, six, kick six, return, yeah. Oh. 16 carries, 178 yards, two touchdowns. So to me, his performance on the ground, especially early in that game, you know, enabled Henderson to kind of find his feet. Oh, yeah. Enabled the passing game to come out firing eventually. And then Utah State just didn't have an answer for any of that. Pick six, like a pick six, special teams touchdown. It's like bad, more bad throws by Jordan Love, like that out pattern that was a pick six. It's like, I, I don't know what the deal is. Like, really quick, the Boise running game, it's been picked up a little bit, but it's uh, past two games. Oh, I know it's New Mexico, but they've been doing quite well. But the, having the one guy has been a difference maker this one game. It hasn't been. One guy go, going off this year. It's been kind of a almost a group effort. But Halani's had a couple of good games, but really good. But mm. when you just see people like, oh, it's just coaching. I'm like, I don't. Is it really coaching to make those many bad throws over and over? Like, what do you think it is? Because I've already I've seen Jordan Love make so many bad interceptions, a linebacker drop off, the out pattern, which it's the guy jumped on, had plenty of time to get in front of it, well thrown behind him for that interception. Is it? I, what do you think? It is it coaching where he the coach is not teaching him how to throw the ball? But it's not like these route patterns or anything unique. Or it's not like Boyce was doing any crazy defense or any team doing a wild defense to force him into those interceptions. See, it's really hard to say, just because you know obviously that the interception was a really really bad throw, right? Yeah. But yep. then look at the look at the touchdown throw that he had to Caleb Rapp, which you know already in the conversation for like play of the year. I know. Or the, like the Sosie Mariner 80 period pass last week. You know, you can't teach that kind of placement. And apparently can't teach her not to place it either. I don't know. (laughs) And, and, you know, some of it comes down to a lot of the, a lot of turnover and personnel, which, you know, they're not alone in the conference. But we're game number 11 here. You can't come back to that saying it's new talent when you're week 12, game 11, week 13, whatever we're at. It's too, that excuse cannot be there anymore when you played a full season. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to say because it's not like the offense was totally shut down. I mean, it's I don't know, because they were, what, 13 of 21 on third downs? Yeah. So it's not like they didn't have trouble moving the ball. Like, they, they got off to kind of a slow start when it came to converting third downs, and maybe that was the problem right there. Because uh, in the first half, they were only 3 of 8, and at that point, they were down 42 to 7. Yeah. So maybe they were padding that figure a little bit in the second half. Well, no running game. 13. So. Yeah, they had to pass. They, you know, the running game didn't really help them either because they were averaging under three yards of carry in the first half. And and that and that doesn't account for the two sacks that Boise State had. So, you know, maybe he's just trying to press and do a little too much. You know, the, the stat sheet wasn't quite as uh, horrific as it has been in some past weeks. He only, he only had the one interception pick six, but though. they, but they definitely needed him to do more. Well, it's also defense too. You can't 
Well, I guess only only fourteen points of turnover, so still forty two points. Your defense allowed too. It's like, yeah, they they Mazarin the defense. Maybe they missed Gerald or not Gerald Bright. Sorry, I look at his name. Dear uh, Woodward is more than we thought. Which is he's brilliant, but he's all American guy. You're gonna miss him for anything. It's not like it's gonna be um, you know come in every game and have an amazing game. Which he had what no tackles in this game. Oh, sorry, seven tackles. I apologize. He had a decent game. I was looking at something else. But yeah, I mean, you, you just look at the overall field position in this game, and Boise State owned a distinct advantage all night long. Like the average Broncos drive started at their own thirty-eight yard line, and the average Utah State drive started at the twenty-three. That's a you know fifteen yards is a very significant deal. Yeah, you could have flipped that. The score would have been the same, probably. It would have been close, yeah. Because, I mean, they, they won by 35, and it wasn't that close. No, it was, no. So it's like, uh, does Boise State have a player of the year on offense to look at or no? Well, somebody asked on Twitter earlier whether Hawani deserved to be in that conversation. Uh, I need to look up his numbers. I don't. I've talk, if I had to think about it, your answer is probably no. So he's he's at 100, 147 attempts, 870 yards, which is a shade under six yards per carry. Yards per carry is what second behind Timothy Jackson, Verforce, I think, from backs and Sean Chambers, who's QB. Something three. like that. Like, and again, if we're going off of just conference play, he's averaging over six and a half yards per carry in conference play, and he scored all seven of his touchdowns in Mountain West action. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's maybe. I, I think if he go, if he goes off again next week against Colorado State, then I think he's definitely in the conversation. Well, here's the thing. Your buddy Ronnie Rivers has four, 11, four more touchdowns league play, and yeah, he is about a yard behind on yards per play on average, but he's within 50 yards overall. Saying, like, if you're looking at just numbers, he yeah, argues. I know what you're saying. I mean, and look at everything. I'm just saying it's such a tight, tight race. I'm going to check it all out. But, uh, and also per game's like 70 something yards. Come on. Is that a really good player of the year material? Well, that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't say he has the strongest case at the moment. He's your he's, nominee. You're presenting. He's kind, of, he's kind of a periphery candidate. Let's put it like that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. All right, next game. What do we guys? Let's go to Fresno State, Nevada. Sure, <sighs> sure. Did you um, um, did you see the when we text a messenger before the uh, Jorge Reina? Let's run backwards and see what happens and almost get a safety. <laughs> <sighs> you know, you know, Jorge Reina has not given up 35 points. No. In a game, Jorge Reina doesn't play defense. You know what the defense should have done? Played Olay and let Nevada score with a minute left and get the ball back. Uh, yeah, Jorge Reina has not given up over six yards of play. I know, I know. I'm just saying, end of the game, they should let him walk in, tell it to who finally showed up for once. Instead, they stop him. He slows down, stops. Nevada, like, I'm going to go to the last drive because it's fascinating to me. They go down quickly, that one big running play. Fresno first to let them score. And there's like a minute something left. And then Nevada does the handoff, running back gets it, stutter step, I'll take a knee. And then, what the heck, let's just score a touchdown and run down the next play. Or whatever. It's like, but you're right because to get going, I guess you got to play Fresno State. Best game of the year. 135 touchdown. He had two, oh man, running game was just brutal for Fresno's defense. That defensive line sucks, man. Oh, not good. Well, here, and here's the thing, though. Um, Jorge Reina doesn't block for Jorge Reina either. <laughs> I guess. Because, you know, Nevada, I mean, and this is something we talked about in the preview, how, you know, Nevada's got a better front than you think. Uh, and Fresno State found out the hard way because as a team, the Wolfpack had four sacks and nine tackles for loss. And 
Um, Tierra to carry too, running the ball against. Yeah, and again, that doesn't account for the sacks, but you know they held Ronnie Rivers to seven carries and twenty yards. And you know, even despite the one interception that he threw, which was, you know, it, it was a rough throw. I can acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. You know, like they still tried to put the game in his hands, and for the most part. He responded pretty well because he was 27 of 37 for 263 yeah. yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, he had a pretty good game overall. Yeah, so for sure. It, but, you know, a lot of people were pointing to the last Fresno State drive and wondering what exactly they were thinking. So for those of you who were watching the game, um, Quentin Conway had him pinned down at the three-yard line. Uh, and they throw three straight times and they go three and out. Ben Putman has a big punt return to set them up for that. Oh yeah, right in the middle. A minute ago, it's just on score almost, or I guess the play after. <laughs> People were wondering why were they throwing three straight times. It's like true. if if that were you, would you have been that aggressive, or would you have tried to create at least a little bit of breathing room and taking your chances in overtime? Because remember, the game is still tied at that yes. point. Yes, game's tied at what twenty-eight. Would you have done? I would have done. I would have probably first down. Didn't they take it? Wasn't their first down play a deep throw? It was. Yeah, I, I'm fine with that. Like, why not go deep just for the heck of it? Throw, chuck it. It's like, who knows what happened? Maybe pass interference. Maybe you guy catches it. You quarterback's playing reasonably well for this game, but throwing three, two straight times, like throw on second, a run on second down. At the very least, you run on second down and see what you get. Like, were they that afraid of getting a safety? I don't know. It's like, I would have ran the ball at least I mean, they once. were at the three-yard line, though, so it's not like they were yeah. all the way pinned back. And it's really hard to get a safety, as we saw earlier in this game. Reina ran backwards, turned around, and got tackled, like, inside the one. It's like, and I watched, going back, I watched a lot of that Penn State, Ohio State. There was a play, I forget if it was a bad snap, whatever. I think it was, whatever, it doesn't matter to the team, but basically tackled at the goal line. And they reviewed it. It's super close. Like, no, it's going to be down inside the one. It's really hard to get a safety called against you unless it's extremely obvious with a penalty in the end zone, a, uh, what is it, intentional grounding, or you're like, you're under center and you just get knocked on your butt and you're in the end zone because you're something like that. And so it's pretty hard. I would have ran at least one time, probably twice. Also, there was a minute 45 something. Mm -hmm. Make Nevada use their I believe only timeout left. Am I correct on that? I believe no. They had two that they okay. used on that last drive. Okay, so make them use at least one of those timeouts. Oh wait, no. Excuse me. They had the Fresno State used those. Excuse me. Oh yeah, you're right. Fresno, whatever. I mean, okay. I don't recall a timeout situation. I, whatever. I don't keep. I don't have those notes down with me. But at the very worst, if they have timeout, use timeout. If not, time runs down, gives them less chances, and then but you're kicking like in your end zone. Even if you kick a six, a booming sixty-yard punt, they get the ball at their own forty. They only with their. I know their kicker Talton missed one, but you only need what thirty yards to get a field goal to win it. And then you allow the kick return as it was. Jeez, it's like it was terrible. You should have ran it to go back to the original question. Run it at least one time on second down, and then go from there. If you throw on third, if it's sec, if it ends up being third and five, third and seven. Maybe throw, but I wouldn't. I should have ran at least one time, at least once. See, here's the here's the bigger question that I have, and I feel like this is a question we've talked about at least once or twice in the past. How uh, is it that Ronnie Rivers only had one carry in the fourth quarter? Who uh, who's the OC there? Ask him. <laughs> I mean, I wish I could. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, also, I'm gonna check the timeout situation. 
what would what would have been so bad if kneeling three times is going for overtime <laughs> or just going running up the middle you know what i mean like one yeah. minute 40 left you could have ran the clock out I, think. I don't know, man. I, it's just really frustrating year. Like, people say this is a bad team. This isn't a bad team. This is a really frustrating team. Yeah, because there's times where the team looks fine. You know what I mean? And then there's times they do weird stuff like this. I mean, they had they had a 28 to 14 lead in this game. Yeah, I was. This is the game I was tuning out. I'm like, oh, coming back 24 21. Here we go. I'm going to watch this game now when it gets close 28 28, 35 28. And also, we should mention the amazing substitution with uh, Ben Woolridge comes in. Gets hit, throws a touchdown pass on the first play. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Um, but I don't know why Rivers got one hand off in the fourth quarter. And so he only ran seven times the whole game, so it's almost his average. So 2-2-2-1 two, 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 if you go quarter by quarter, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, I don't know. First, it was just a weird team. It's not just kind of a cop-out, but you're right. They're, first, they're decent on third down. They missed their what fourth down. They are penalized about the same. They won the turnover margin this game. They averaged more yards per per play in the air. I mean, like the I guess the really bad part was their they could get nothing done in the running game and questionable play calling at times. Mm-hmm. Which I guess it all adds up to a 35-28 defeat, and you're not going to bowl, bowling this year. Well, I still have a little more time on my hands over winter break. There you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anything else you want to add to this game? No, nah, I think we're all set. Also, Talatua, welcome to the 2019. <laughs> well, let's shout out to Devontae Elite as well. Four mm-hmm. carries, 77 yards, and a touchdown. Pretty good. Every every time I watch him run, I think he's got to be like the least fun person to try and tackle in the entire Mountain West. <laughs> Why is that? Because that dude is like a fire hydrant. Yeah. <laughs> Five, he, eight, he two, thirty. Like, he, like, he just looks like a, like a, like a little wall of granite. It's like a Jerome Bettis out there running the ball. Exactly. Can't take it. I actually saw a Jerome Bettis commercial the other day. I'm like, all right, cool. Guess you're still getting work. Good job. All right, final game of the day, right? Am I correct on this or am I missing any? That is correct. Because apparently I miss games sometimes when I'm, not, when I'm not paying attention. Hawaii, San Diego State, Western Division Championship on the line. And apparently some fans couldn't watch the game. Even though San Diego State AD said, oh, everything's perfectly fine. All right, we're good. We got it. Did we ever get a straight answer on that? Did you see the DMs I sent to you from Stadium? I saw some of them, yeah. I think that's all they sent. I guess the issue here's the issue what we believe to happen. There was a select few people, as far as we could tell. I had no issues where I'm at in Utah. You had no issues out in Fresno. I did not. So there were some people. What what the guys from Stadium told me, one, be logged in. I'm like, well, duh. Because I told them that people were direct messaging us on Facebook. So it's like we can we know they're logged in. Or it could be so, um, geo-blocked in the area, but that would be odd because there's no local deal arranged like it happened with you when they played on the local was NBC affiliate in your area a couple of weeks ago when they played at Hawaii. So yeah. there, were, there was no deal like that. The other option was their thought, not option. Maybe they created their Facebook in Hawaii, but were no longer living there or at least no longer there. However, I countered, wouldn't your location services know you're not in Hawaii? And so they had, they didn't have a clear answer as to what the issues were. It wasn't a ton of people, but it's supposed to be frustrating in general. Championship game, we could say it regulated to Facebook, I guess. Not It's not the worst thing in the world, but it's also if you're just a casual fan, oh, cool, my team's playing for the conference or division championship, could go to the title game. I want to watch this game. What channel? What number is Facebook, Mom? Grandma, what number is Facebook? It's like, oh, hold on, let me log you in real quick to watch the game. 
it's just not convenient for those who casual fans who are like, hey, my football team's doing good. I want to watch them. And so yeah, that's, almost, that's almost word for word. I was having a brief conversation with uh, the guy behind the Aztecs killing him blog a couple days ago. Yeah, <laughs> that is almost word for word his entire argument. But it's not wrong either, right? It's like he's it, not wrong. No. It's uh, more people could technically see this game, but with a couple issues they had, and the stream worked fine for me. But it's just it's it's not that it's on Facebook. I think it's a, it's that it's this particular game on Facebook. Yeah. And it's also at Hawaii, which is unique in their own right. And to be honest, we were kind of lucky to see the game because what, what was it, two years ago, they blocked everything from the mainland. Mm-hmm. And so it was there. But the game itself, oh boy. Um, what was it, 14 to 11? Have we ever seen a 14 to 11 final score before? I'm going to say yes, but I, can, I, I, won't, I can't tell you what it was. It, it has to have happened, right? Out of out of the, I'll, it, I'll it, take your word on that. On the possibilities, I would say so because, okay, whatever. I don't know for sure, but I'll say yes. So this game, Hawaii, goes full Hawaii here, where they play both quarterbacks clearly. Neither play extremely well. Only See, okay. Can I can I counter that for a moment? I'm saying typical Hawaii standards. I would say for yardage and stuff. See, I don't know that I would necessarily agree with that because Col- for those of you who didn't watch the game, Cole McDonald started. He did, and he was he finished thirteen of nineteen, one hundred and forty-four yards, one touchdown, one interception. Like the interception he threw was not the best throw in the world. Shocker! <laughs> and he did, you know, miss a couple of deep shots again, you know, down the field. <laughs> but you know, you look at the touchdown throw that he had uh, to Jason Michael, uh, Jason Matthew Sharsh, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um. And it seemed like, you know, he was on his game more often than he was off of it. So to me, it seemed kind of surprising that he ended up getting benched for Siobhan Cordero. And, you know, especially when Cordero came in and he was... Not good? He, no, I mean, he was iffy. Yeah, in nine, nine yeah. to 16, 70 yards. I think the big difference is, though, is that he made a, he made a big contribution as a scrambler, too. Yeah, 59 yards. Which was the, a team high. And so, like, it, it wasn't perfect, and I wasn't really sure what drove the decision, and I didn't see anything afterwards that really... Um, Droll, that's all I could say. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I didn't really see any impetus for the decision, but it's one of those things that obviously worked out. I'm betting what it is, it's because, here's my best stab, whenever he's changed quarterbacks throughout the year, it's typically worked well when he brought... Bring, outside of the Arizona game where we went back to McDonald, who got benched, I'm pretty sure like anytime he's brought in the other quarterback, they've outperformed the guy who started. Like when Cordero got to start a couple weeks ago, two picks, comes out, McDonald comes in, no picks to win the game. And so mm-hmm. maybe that's a thought like McDonald's doing again by Hawaii standards, yardage and production, okay. Had the one pick wasn't great. Well we know Cordero is just as good or better. They're basically even from the amount of playing ten to get. Well we'll put him in, he'll be fine. Like he can't be worse. Not that McDonald was bad, but Maybe that's his thing. Like anytime I make a change, the guy in the backup all, almost always comes in and outperforms a starter, and that didn't really happen. But they still got the victory. Yeah, I'm just not really sure. I mean, that, that's my best guess. I mean, I guess one thing you could say is that it did seem to me, for the most part, that the Aztecs' defensive line, which we talked about, you know, whichever got the upper hand between the Aztecs' D line and the Warriors' O line, was probably going to have a significant advantage. And they did pick up three sacks in this game. 
And it seemed like they had both McDonald and Cordero on the run more often than I think Rolovich would have liked. And, you know, maybe that plays into the fact that when you look back at this game, you know, 14 to 11, obviously there wasn't that much offense. No. And, and, you know, and maybe this is a good time to bring in that tweet you mentioned at the very (laughs) beginning of this show. A lot of that has to do with Brandon Heiglin. I know, but I still I'm gonna I'm gonna defend my what I said. So no, no, no. okay, I, I I understand what you're saying. So go ahead and explain it for those who didn't see it. So this game was well, two, two reasons. This game was in Hawaii, so you got to hear Robert Kikilula on Spectrum TV on Facebook. So it's a Hawaii. It's basically your local Hawaii broadcast, your local team broadcast, being homers like they are because that's not homers, but I mean they they're more encouraging to to the team they cover all the time, which is. If you know any local radio or TV watching your games, that's kind of the case. You know what I mean? Or pump up your team. Yeah. So they do player of the game. And I'm like, oh, I'm screenshotting this. Which they give – I get it a little bit, but I still think it's them being – throwing some shade in Aztec's way, naming their punter player of the game for San Diego State. I know he did okay. well. The field position difference was amazing and how well he punted to make Hawaii work for it. But come on, still punter. Okay, so I'm going to illuminate that field position thing for a minute just because you, you need to understand how good Heikland was in this game. I so he punted, he punted, now for, for those of you who didn't watch the good. game. Okay. So he punted five times, and here's where Hawaii started those drives their own eight, their own two, their own seven, their own four, and their own 12. That's a good job kicking the ball. Congratulations. On the whole, <laughs> their their average drive started at the 14-yard line, which to me seems kind of unheard of. So it was almost like the inverse of what we just talked about a yeah. few minutes ago with, with uh, Boise State and Utah State, where Wild. it wasn't like the Aztecs had phenomenal field position, but they owned, an, an, an on average, an advantage that was just as significant as the one that the Broncos had over the Aggies. And it's to the offense's credit that they were able to put forth a couple of 90-yard drives, you know, 15 plays, 92 yards to open the scoring, and then 14 plays, 96 yards to basically punctuate it at the end. Um, But even then, you know, one of the other things that might be worth talking about is the the, the play, and I can't, was it the first drive or the last drive that San Diego State fans were swearing up and down with the safety? (sighs) I don't recall because I, I like, say I think it was the first. Draft I had like three screens going at once so early in this game, so I honestly don't recall at all. I'm pretty sure it was the first drive. So just to set this up on the kick, know, on the kick, you mean? I think so. Okay, okay. What was it? Sure? I think so because it was it was one of the drives where Hawaii was backed up against their own end zone. I can't remember which one it was. So on first, it might have been the second one actually. Excuse me, on the, in the third quarter, so. I believe it's Miles Reed takes a handoff. Yeah, it's so first and 10 at the four-yard line. Miles Reed rushed for a loss of three yards. He's wrapped up in the backfield by Keshawn Banks. Everybody and their mother said it was a safety on the, on the San Diego State side. Did you happen to see that? I did not, but I saw plenty of near safeties this weekend, which is kind of weird. When I was listening to the volume, I'm going back to the Ohio State-Penn State game I was watching in the morning. They were saying... That it's like the similar for a touchdown. If for a touchdown to be scored, the ball has all the ball has to do is cross the plane. Mm-hmm. Say, um, 
Same thing for a safety. So it doesn't matter if your helmet falls in, if your butt falls in, if the ball is not touching that line, it's not safety. And referees are generous with forward progress. So typically once you stop moving forward, that's where the ball is going to be. Unless you go like, unless you go up and like up and down the field up toward the each end. So like if you get stopped, you know what I mean? Kind of go sideways. You're going to keep going. But if once you're stopped and not going forward and you, and even if it's quick, they're going to mark the ball there because they don't, if we're being honest, refs probably don't want to give safeties. It, it has to be obvious, obvious, obvious to give safety. And, yeah, and I think, I think I'd have to see the, the play. honestly sure. came down to the camera angle. Could be that too. Cameras because are on, yeah. because on spectrum it's like obviously when you were when you're not looking at it from the line of scrimmage and when when a team is backed up that far it's really hard to tell where forward progress starts. Did they have a pylon cam? Probably not for this game. No, I don't think so. Because that's what I saw for like the in the Ohio State game, like they had a Penn State a pylon cam, partly because it's a huge game, and you could and it like but they had Mike Pereira, the ref guy, who does calls for NFL and Fox and everything. He's like, if it's this close, he's yeah. like, I'm fine making that call of not letting it be a safety because it has to be super clear if you're reviewing it. And that game is like, it's it's right there, but if it's not obvious, you're not going to call it. And in the angles I have too, when you go back and look at replay, we see basically the same replay the officials are getting. There's I don't, there's no super secret camera we're not getting or something. <laughs> well, and you want to know what's more important to, to remember from this game other than that? You know, you you. Yeah, you can make a stop. You can cry about not having a safety all you want. But you know what else you can do to follow up on that? Is you can keep Hawaii from converting six straight third downs in third quarter <laughs> going into the fourth quarter. Because on that 96-yard drive, they converted four different third down opportunities. It's pretty good. Including the touchdown run from Freddie Holly in the third. I thought this ASIC defense is good. What's going on? <laughs> and that was really one of the other things that came you know you look at their two touchdown drives they converted four third downs on each of them and some of them weren't gimmies either like the very first third down that they had in the game it was a third and 14 at their own four yard line and he completed a 16 yard pass to Sharsh. same thing on the second drive you know mm-hmm. cordero ran for 12 yards and then kaiba tizino got popped for holding so they added 10 yards to that mm-hmm. and that was when they were still pinned down inside their own 20 that's a big thing dude it could have been fourth and one right there yeah and so on the game they finished nine of 13 including six you know not only were they six of six on when it was four yards or fewer they were also three of six when it was nine yards or more that's the difference in the game right there it is fourteen. They didn't get, they didn't get the points, but they got the yards they needed. It, but yeah, like that like holding could have been like the difference the about because Hawaii's not going for it. Like Rolo's pretty goes after it pretty big, but if it's fourth and one at your own twenty eight or twenty nine, he's not going. He's not going for. It. He's kicking the ball. He's up. He's up seven to three. He's like, there's no there's no point being that. I know maybe look at advanced stuff. Maybe go for it regardless of twenty yard. But he would have kicked the ball at that point. I don't think he would have gone for it on fourth and one at your inside your own 30. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I definitely think you're right, especially with the way that the defense was playing. Yeah. And That's then, really how they won the game. They held the Aztecs under five yards per play. Running game wasn't great. Like, Juwan Washington came back, who's who knows how healthy he is or not, but he had only, what, seven carries? Yeah, running nine game, carries, 24 yards. Oh, nine, yeah. Oh, Jasmine, seven. Like, the running game was shut down for Hawaii, San Diego State. They could not run the ball. One play over 10 yards on the ground. That's it. For about 
just under four yards of carry. Three yards of carry, whatever. Not very good. Twenty six for eighty nine. Yeah, and it wasn't even like they were that disruptive either. Like they they kind of like we talked about last week, they played to put the game in Ryan Agnew's hands. And Hawaii, they were able to get some hits on him. And one of the things that I think is worth mentioning is that at some point, Ryan Agnew walked off the field, I think more than once. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. He got hit. Look at this calf or something. I remember that. I tweeted that out. Yeah. And J.D. Brookshire came in very, very briefly in this game. But, you know, on the whole, you know, they didn't have any sacks. They only had two TFLs. But the defense up front especially played very well in – making this team one-dimensional and forcing the quarterback to win the game and you know it wasn't like he didn't make some plays you know he finished 25 39 229 yards but he only had three plays of over 15 yards through the air so you know they they were able to move the ball here and there but they weren't able to do it as consistently and in a game where and no big plays yeah, where you might have expected them to be able to create more chunk yardage against the defense that has has given up that kind of yardage more often than not. You know, it's both a credit to the Hawaii defense, and you know, if you look at if you're an Aztec fan, you can't help but feel disappointed that the offense wasn't able to do more in that situation. Yeah, but this is what I've been talking about all along. When you were leaning on this kind of defense and special teams formula, all it takes is one slip. Yeah. Did you like Ro- Rolovich's timeout before the field goal attempt? <laughs> you know what? I had no problem with it. I don't care. People make a big deal about it. It's like, whatever. Do what you want. Do your timeouts. Do what you want, right? Mm-hmm. And he missed it. And it's like, I guess it only comes. It's like the it's like the saying. It's like, like we'll say like, here, fourth and one. Should you have gone for it? If we've said this a million times, probably. Is it, who cares if the call goes your way? It's like the execution of the place. Should you have done it? Like, I don't care if he calls a timeout, but it'd look bad if he timeout miss, come back, makes it, go to overtime. It looks bad, I mean, but I, I don't I'm just, really have a problem with it. I no, mean, I don't, but I mean, it's like the people second guess. It's like, was it the right call to make? Sure, why not? But it, it's not, it's like it's like the fourth one. Well, maybe, yeah, they got a first down on their, like, let's just say Hawaii, let me back up that one play I mentioned earlier. Say they, no holding, fourth and one at their own 28-yard line, whatever, 29-yard line. Had they gone for it and gone, I probably still would have said that's a bad play call. They just kind of got lucky and got it. It's kind mm-hmm. of the same thing. It's like, it's your point. Pick your poison if you want to do it. Pick your choice, I should say. But do your timeouts. Do what you want to do with it. But it worked out fine. They go 14-11. They win the game. Now they go to Boise State in two weeks to for a rematch for the championship game. Yeah. And, I mean, you can't help but feel for Matt Ariza, too, because he had been one of the more reliable kickers in the conference all season long. Like, he's in that class of guys who have – you know, been above 80%. And, you know, 48 yards is one of those kicks that for a lot of guys, like we just talked about a moment ago with Colorado State, it's like, why are you settling for that? In that case, I don't necessarily blame Rocky Long for putting the game in his hands because, you know, especially if, if they had been able to send that game to overtime, I think, you know, given a short field, given that they would only need to go 25 yards rather than the entire length of the field, you know, I think, you know, you're rolling the dice in that instance and you know, going back to what we talked about earlier as far as like good process versus bad, bad process, to mm-hmm. me, that decision was good process on both sides. Yeah, what, like what are you going to do? It's like you're that far out. No, they, oh, here's one thing too. I messaged you last time. I was incorrect. They had two timeouts on that last drive. Yeah. 
what's the deal about using any of your timeouts? I mean, I don't. I think they just didn't want to run out of time, especially since by, at the end of the kick, they only had two seconds left. No, no I mean, or at least earlier thought because they moved the ball. They got the ball at their own nineteen yard line and moved it down pretty quickly. I'm just just saying, like, it, it may not make a difference, but what if it gave you ten more seconds or fifteen more seconds or another player or two? So let's say thirty eight yarder instead of forty eight yarder. Nah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think Arise has shown enough this year that, you know, making that decision is justified. It just didn't work out for him. No, I'm not saying the kick there. I'm not talking, I'm saying, like, say on second down or whatever, when they had, when they, they even run the ball, or maybe they got out of bounds every time. Uh, I'm trying to look here and see. Uh, they, ran it, they ran it once on fourth and one. Oh, okay, the Jasmine play. And then they spiked uh, yeah. And then they spiked it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe not. ESPN, I'm looking at their drive chart. Most of the time, they usually put the time play-by-play. Play. It has 120 through the whole way down, so I'm not sure. So, okay, maybe they had – it wouldn't matter because what's the spike? Five sec, Three seconds maybe? And in college, the clock stops after the first down? Yeah. So, what, two seconds? Okay, so maybe I'm overblowing that, but I just not remember they had two uh, timeouts. I'm pretty sure they got out of bounds almost every time, so it's negligible at that point. They, he's, you're, you're right. He's good enough to make the kick. And it is long kick for any kicker, so like was no guarantee regardless. But that's just what that's just what happened. It could not be done. Only eleven points for San Diego State. Them's the breaks. And, and by the way, I looked it up while we were talking at the beginning. Uh, since two thousand, at least, there has not been another fourteen to eleven final score. How'd you look it up so quickly? <laughs> Sports Reference. They have that. Oh yeah. They have probably everything. It's they uh, do. It's magic. It sounds like magic to find it that quickly. So in tw- almost twenty years. Zero fourteen eleven college football games. I mean, there might have been some in the twentieth century, but not recently. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So, if we, as we as we've been doing throughout this uh, episode, who's a player? Is there a player player of the year candidate on Hawaii? I mean, I would say Cole McDonald, but he keeps getting yanked. So I know totally that's the sure. problem. I know he he's not playing the whole time, and so this is going to be. Like, he's the only option, obviously. And while he has the numbers, like, if you're getting pulled a lot, are you really the best quarterback if you're not even the best best offensive player, if you're not even the best QB on your team? That's an excellent question. Do you think there will be co-players of the year? When was the last time that happened? Was it 2000? I'd have to look and see. That's a long time ago. Because the, the only other instance I could think of was 2000 when I believe it was Matt Newton from Colorado State and Mike Thiessen from Air Force. Oh jeez! <laughs> oh man, it um, could happen. Yeah, Be- partly because there's there's no one player, right? There's no one guy. As we discussed throughout the whole episode, there's not one guy that's doing it. I it's, guess we'll have to. I mean, we still and we still got another week to go too. So yeah. in, in some respect, this is premature. Bare- not really. Like, is one player going to make this big leap next week and do something? I mean, with, with what we just talked about with Holani uh, and guys like that, yeah, I don't see why not. Like if somebody goes off last next week and, and leaves no doubt as far as what they do in particular, and even you know even a guy like Trey Walker for instance, who's number one in the conference in receptions in conference play, number one in yards, averaging fourteen point six yards per, but he only has two touchdowns. Maybe he goes off for like a hundred yards and two touchdowns, and finishes number one across the board. You know maybe he solidifies his case. Maybe Josh Love goes off for five hundred yards against Fresno State, <laughs> which. <laughs> I would not put the fails, the David fails treatment out of the question. 
uh, or, you know, guys that we've talked about, Charles Williams, Warren Jackson, Xavier Valde. It's still a wide open race. So, yeah, anybody could absolutely play themselves into the pole position just as easily as they could play themselves out of the conversation. I don't know. It's uh, if So if you're looking at one guy who could do it, you're thinking maybe those guys you mentioned, Halani or Love? Yeah, I think so. I might be leaning toward, I would say right I just wondering with not much separation, like what if it's like one of the CSU receivers too, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like there's a lot of guys who could be in there. I would say if we're looking at mostly like just conference play, it might be Donald Hammond the third, who has his lead might be my leader right now. That's what I'm telling you. Because you're on a good team and I'm glad you brought that up. Because do we really like does the league really want to give it to a team that's like four and five, four and nine or something or four and eight? This is, I mean, it's not offensive team of the year. It's offensive player of the year. I know, but usually you're going to be on a pretty it's an, good team. It's an individual honor. So regardless of wins and losses, if somebody is deserving of it, I don't care who it is. I hear. I'm just, I'm give, just it, give it to the most deserving player. Why not Gerald Sanders? Six TDs leads a conference of receiving 30 yards of reception. You know, I meant to bring that up earlier. <laughs> Gerard Sanders, and I think I mentioned this on Twitter too, absolutely deserves to be considered for all conference honors. Is he better than Jalen Robinette? I think on a per catch basis, he has been, I think Robinette was like 25. So, okay. So here's what, here's what he's done in conference play so far. 19 catches, 558 yards. Uh, that's over 29 yards a catch and six touchdowns and leads the, the league, leads the league in receptions and conference play. And that's not even the best figure on his own team though. Oh, for what yard reset average. Yeah, because Ben Waters, who we oh. talked about. Who has five catches, touchdowns. 11 catches, 326, <laughs> five touchdowns, 29.6 yards per catch. Oh, boy. So, obviously, you know, like I mentioned, Donald Hammond, to me, in my mind, he's got to be the pick right now. But, I did you just... know, guy, Guys like Sanders and Waters are absolutely some of the, the reason why. Because both of those guys, in conference play especially, have played out of their minds. There are, yeah, it's uh, there. There's quite a few people. All right, we'll get to this later. We'll talk. You're gonna we'll talk you're, more about it in the, in next week's recap. Yeah, and you'll have our ballot. Do we need to fill out our ballot before the title game? Correct. Yes. So look for us to have a. Maybe we'll make a fan ballot as well because we've been doing that for our power rankings. Oh yeah. Throughout the year, so we'll just make a copy of that. So we'll figure out offline because I'm wondering. Let me ask you this really quick before we go because I know we're kind of long here. Should we make a player of the year? option like we do or, or offensive player of the year or just take the offensive player like the most votes no i mean we'll do it like we did for the preseason okay. one all right so player of the year offensive player of the year, whatever um we'll figure it out but just keep keep it out for that put it put it on twitter mwc wire probably on our facebook as well we'll have a, a google form you can fill out to make your own ballot and if you skew, skew it like raj says he's gonna go straight boise state ticket which i told him not to vote for joel velasquez though yeah, but he has the pushback, didn't he? There's, no, there's. I mean, there's, I'm just saying, punter is very hotly contested, and and your team could very easily have a part in the conversation unless you're a Boise State fan. Well, okay, I may put an asterisk if he does that. We'll have to see, Raj. So we'll let you know. We'll talk. Me and we'll talk Tuesday. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Later. But yeah, look for that. And uh, yeah, that's our week. We have one more week of full slate of games. Even though not much is on the line, there's still football. There's still stuff that's gonna happen. Hey, heck, no, we got stuff on the line. We got player of the year on the line this week. Maybe that's what we'll do this week for post-match. Thanksgiving, you guys have stuff to kill. You don't want to hang out with your family all the time. Maybe for Thursday, we'll make a post of contenders for player of the year. Maybe that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. 
one of us will have to work on it, I guess, if we're saying it now. But we'll be back uh, sometime next week. Um, we'll see when we get our preview podcast out. It'll be out whenever we get it out next week, but it'll be there for you. And, yeah, check us out everywhere you get our podcast. You're, if you listen to the end, you know where to find us. Anywhere, Mountainous Wire, search it. iTunes, uh, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all that fun stuff. But, yeah, we'll see you next time, folks.